How many of you remember when you were um, when you were a child and um, you wanted to show off your muscles? Like you kept saying to your parents, "Hey, look how look how big my muscles are getting." I remember my dad. He he's a um, a product of the of the fifties, and he used to say when guys used to go in the bathroom to comb their hair. You know, everybody used to keep their remember used to keep your comb in your back pocket. Remember remember those days. Is anybody old like me? Remember you kept your comb? And he said the guys used to go in the mirror and they used to comb their hair and they used to look at their muscle as they were combing their hair, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, you always say, hey, mom, feel, hey, mom, Dave, feel my muscles. They're getting bigger. And, you know, and uh, they'd, always, they'd always humor me. It really wasn't. But they'd say, oh, yeah, you're getting stronger, Barton. Yeah, you're getting stronger. Um, you know, if we were, you know, whether, whether or not you were raised in church or not, I think all of us know who Samson is. You probably heard of Samson understand something about Samson, that, that it was this uh, really strong guy, you know, in the Bible that, that just, you know, took care and killed a lot of people and was just this big, strong dude. And I think, I think when we think of Samson, we, we think of somebody like, like this, right? <laughs> that was a lot of years ago, by the way. Arnold does not look like that today, right? We think of, we think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? We think of some... Big, big bodybuilding, big, strong dude. And, and let me just say something. If, if a guy like that were to take down a lot of people, we probably wouldn't think it was that big of a deal, would we? Because, I mean, look at him. He's huge. He's strong. I mean, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't think that big of a deal. But, but if there was a guy that kind of looked like me, right? Don't laugh. See, don't laugh. That would, come on. Don't laugh. That hurts my feelings. You know, 165 pounds wet, five foot, ten and a half. Now, if I were to take down a bunch of people, you'd think, now that's God. That could only be God because that guy couldn't do it. Well, let me just, I want to kind of take off this legendary thing that, that we think of of Samson and get a true understanding of what God was doing through um, Samson's life. We've been, we're almost finished up with our study. We've been looking at the book of Judges, Old Testament book, the book of Judges, which was during a real sad time in Israel's history where, you know, God brings them through 40 years of the desert. He takes them to this land, this promised land of Canaan, where he's going to establish them as his people and a nation. And from that nation eventually would come Jesus Christ. And, and so God is trying to use them and to establish them and show his glory through them. But the problem is the people that lived in the land. They were very pagan. They served other gods. And God knew that if they did not drive out the inhabitants, then those inhabitants would become uh, detrimental to them in their faith and their relationship with God. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't drive out all the inhabitants. And then Israel, what begins to happen is they begin to serve these other gods and they begin to stumble and they begin to walk away from God. And so as we've been reading through the book of Judges, what God does is he, he raises up these judges or these leaders to help defeat the enemy around them because these enemies would cause Israel to go into oppression and they would oppress them and they would be in bondage to them. And so Samson is, is, is one of the last leaders that God uh, raises up uh, before we jump into uh, the period of Israel's history where God raises up kings to actually lead them. And we know King David is one of them. And, and so God raises up this leader called uh, Samson. And Samson's going to help to defeat uh, the Philistines, who the Philistines would be detrimental to Israel for years to come. They are just a problem for Israel. And so they're under this huge oppression of the Philistines. So God 
before Samson is even born, God speaks to his parents and says, listen, you're going to have a child and I'm going to separate him unto myself. And he's going to take a, a Nazarite vow, which he's going to be completely dedicated unto me. And I want to use him to help defeat this, this, this nation, the Philistines that have oppressed my people. And so I want to, I want to, I want to look at that today. And, and, and the one thing that you're going to see about um, Samson is that you're going you're gonna to hear these words that the spirit of the Lord rushed on him or the spirit of the Lord came on him in, in power. And so the strength that Samson had was not because he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. The strength that, that Samson had was a gift of God's grace that he bestowed upon Samson to help deliver the people that were under oppression. So I want us to get out of the mindset that it was something, this physical thing that was part of, of uh, Samson's makeup that did it. It actually was the Lord by his grace that gave Samson the ability to do this. Now, this is where we're going to connect this story with our lives today. Because how many know that when we start relying on our own strength, and we start to give ourselves the credit for everything good that happens in our lives, bad things begin to happen. This is where we begin to walk in pride and say, look at what I've done. Look at all. And this is Samson's problem. Samson doesn't recognize that it's God's grace that was given unto him to help deliver uh, the children of Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. So this is what we're going to discover about Samson. Yes, God uses him to overcome the Philistines, but it really wasn't to the end of Samson's life that he actually recognized that this gift of his strength was from God's grace. I, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll be dead honest with you this morning. If you can recognize in your life that everything that was given to you and that you have today is from God's grace, it will free you from allowing the things of the world to trap you. See, the reason why many times we're so discontented and we're not satisfied with the things in this world because we always need more. We run to one thing and then it satisfies us for a while and then we've got to run to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing because that's what it'll do. It's an empty pit that can never be filled. But if you can understand that everything that's given to you is by God's grace, you will live your life completely differently. Those things won't become the object of your affection or the object of your identity. Because how many know things can be taken away in a moment? And when those things are taken away, it's going to reveal the foundation that you're really standing on. But if you understand that everything is given by God's grace, then you understand your identity is in not what you do. Your identity is, is in who you are in Christ. And that changes everything about your life. And so in spite of Samson... Breaking this Nazarite vow, God still worked through him. So last week we talked about this Nazarite vow. And a Nazarite vow was, was, was something you did for a short period of time. Um, and there's basically three things that you were not allowed to do if you took this Nazarite vow. Because you were going to be completely dedicated to God. And, and God was going to separate Samson unto himself. He gave this uh, mandate to his parents and his parents said, okay, we're going to take it. We're going to give it to Samson and we're going we're to live by this. And we're going to separate ourselves unto God. And there's basically three things you couldn't do. You couldn't, that you couldn't have any alcohol 
Um, you couldn't touch anything that was dead, which would cause you to become unclean. And you couldn't cut your hair. Those are the three things just to show you that you've, that you've dedicated yourself to this and this Nazarite vow. And this is what Samson was to do. And many scholars believe actually there was a fourth thing. And the fourth thing was you couldn't listen to country music. So now listen, I said that last week. I got more hate mail. Now, if I were to say that in New York City, nobody would care. But because I said that in Wayne County, for some reason, everybody got upset and offended. I'm sorry. Okay. So uh, I'm just teasing about that. So, uh, so Samson was to take this vow, not just for a short time, but actually for life. And so let me give you the background to Samson and get a clear picture of what is going on in his life. And I, I first want you to understand the culture which Samson is living in during this time, the culture of Israel and what they're living through in this time. So we can see this in Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there in Judges. We're going to be in Judges 14. You can look up at the screens. And let's see what's actually going on during this time in the culture of Israel. And so what we see here in verses 1 through 3, it says, One day Samson was in Timnah. And I, I want you to know that he was in Timnah. This is really, really important. One of the Philistine women caught his eye, and when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timna caught my eye, and I want to marry her. Get her for me. So his father and mother objected because they understood he took this Nazarite vow. She was not part of the Israelites. He said, she goes, isn't there, isn't there even one woman in, in our tribe or among all the Israelites that you could marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Okay, so he, he could care less. He didn't care, what, she didn't care where she's from. He said, she looks good to me. I want to have her. Now, now if, if you're just looking at the surface in these verses, you just think, okay, there's, there's Samson. He's out. He's clubbing. He's going to the clubs. He sees this Philistine woman. He's like, okay, just get her for me. I like, I like that one. And, and we can just see it for what it is. But let me show you what's really going on But behind this. Samson actually goes to the enemy to find a wife, and he finds her in Timnah. Now, what's going on here? The Philistines at this time are ruling over Israel and they were living in the land that God actually gave to Israel. Israel should be the ones that are leading and ruling, but they're not. The Philistines are. And what's interesting about this is Samson didn't have to go very far to find a wife. What does this say? Well, they have so intermingled with the culture and the enemy is that they're all living together now. There was no distinction. There was no separation. Israel had so compromised their lives that they thought nothing of it. He, Samson didn't have to go far to find the enemy's wife because they so intermingled with the enemy that that's the way they were living now. They didn't care. They didn't recognize it. So, so Samson thought nothing of marrying one. Now, God didn't want them serving pagan gods or marrying into a culture uh, because he knew that that was going to break their relationship because he knew eventually they would begin to serve these pagan gods. And that's exactly what happened. They stopped looking to God for their help. And so Israel now adopted the culture of the Philistines. Uh Uh-oh. And so Israel's identity in the Lord is almost unrecognizable at this point. 
There's, there's no uniqueness of God's people. You see, the reason why God brought them out of Egyptian slavery for 400 years and took them in the wilderness because he wanted to bring them to his side. He wanted to have an exclusive relationship with them. God knew that these foreign gods would impede on the relationship that he desired to have with them. He wanted nothing to come in between that relationship that, that God desired to have with them. And so how many of us know that as a Christian, as a follower of God, if you're following Jesus, that the word of God says that we're to be, we're, we're in this world, aren't we? But we're to be very careful that we're not part of the world. In fact, Jesus, one of his last prayers, he prayed this and it's recorded for us in John 17. He says, I've given them your word and that the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. So it, here, here's God understood that immersing themselves in this pagan culture would eventually erode away at their sensitivity to the Lord and his voice. And that's why God would raise up these leaders to, 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 to shake them up, to bring revival into their hearts, to bring them back into this living relationship with the God that loves them, that delivers them, that wants to save them. And when we lose our distinctiveness as a church, something is wrong. We, we, how many know we should be different? Not kooky different, all right? But we don't need any more kookiness, but it's not kooky different, but we're to be different, and we should react differently to the people that come against us. My, um, my, my son and I, we had to go to the DMV on Friday. Everybody go, ah, all right? DMV, right? So we had to go to the DMV on Friday, and we didn't have an appointment, and so we had to wait in the line, the main line where you have no appointments. And I'm dreading this already, right? I'm like, I don't like going to the DMV. You know, I heard there's shootings in the DMV, and, you know, I just, you know, there's police all lined up in the DMV. I'm like, I'm not. So we go in, and we're waiting in line, and everything's going pretty good. We're in the main line, and there's two people that you first have to receive. You'd ask you what you want to do, and then they give you a ticket, and then you go wait in line. So we're, we're walking in line, and sure enough, we're in line, and, and people are complaining already, right? And, and, I, and I'm like, Lord, this is an opportunity for me to show patience because I have so much patience. You know, I just do. I have so much patience. I go, this is an opportunity, you know, for the fruit of the spirit to be shown in my life, to show patience. So I'm like, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm psyching myself up. I'm like, just pretend that this is like you're waiting in a line at Disney World, right? Just, just like, the problem is there's no Space Mountain at the end of this line, right? There's no... So we're in line, and sure enough, people start complaining. They're like, it, it starts to slow down. And then someone said, well, you should have been in the Henrietta one. This is twice as long. I don't know what they're doing. And people are complaining. And then there's two people helping people in the main line till they give you the ticket to go in the other line. And then all of a sudden, one of the helpers leaves. One of the workers leaves. So now there's just one person there. And I'm like, uh-oh, it's, not, it's getting ugly in here now. It's gonna, something's going to go down in the DMV line, and I'm going to be a statistic in the paper tomorrow. I, I just, so, and luckily Colby and I were like next in line. So I'm cool. I'm like, okay, we're next in line. That's good. Um, we're okay. And then all of a sudden, if you have an appointment, you can cut that whole line. So someone with an, if you have an appointment, you can cut the line. Someone with, with an appointment just cut in front of us. And I'm like, oh Lord, give me patience. Hallelujah. Right. And so, you know, and so finally we get, we get in line and the lady that waited on us was incredible. She did not allow the complaint. She's like, how are you guys doing today? And I said, good. I go, how are you doing today? And she goes, you know what? You're the first person that's asked me. She goes, is this your son? He looks just like you. 
We had this conversation, and I know the people in the back of me are not, get on with it. I don't care about your son. I don't care about how she's, right? I don't care. So we're asking, I said, do I have all the right paper? Because, you know, I, I just knew I'm not going to. And she goes, no, you did really well. You did great. You did great. And all of a sudden, something just sparked me. I go, this woman has to be a Christian. There is no way that you could work in a DMV counter and have that kind of attitude and not be different. And sure enough, when we got done, she looked right at me and she goes, you know what? God bless you. May the Lord's blessings be on you today. In the DMV line, (laughs) revival broke out. You know God is moving when God moves in the DMV. And I just said, and then we were only 15 minutes. We got everything done. I had all the right paperwork. Praise God to God be the glory. I'm skipping out of the DMV, giving people high fives, saying God is good. Praise God. You know, here's the thing. She was different. There was something different about this elderly woman who worked at the DMV. I could see it in her. You could see it in her from maybe the attitude that was in there, maybe the attitude that I walked in in from. See, are we different? How do we, not how do we act in church? How many know it's easy to act Christian in church? Because you got other Christians around you. We all look good. We all smell good. We all know how to say hallelujah. Praise the Lord, brother. How you doing, sister? Right, we, we, we get that. But all of a sudden, if you're standing at DMV line, that's when it really shows you whether or not you're a Christian or not, right? See, are we different in the world? See, what happened to Israel is their distinctiveness were not seen. Something changed in them that they didn't even recognize. They were so immersed in the Philistine culture that it didn't make a difference for them as well as Samson. See, we, we, we think, you know, we all know sort of Samson and Delilah. And we all know that Delilah kind of wore, we think Delilah wore Samson down, right? You know, Delilah, uh, oh, that Delilah, she wore him down. She rested his head on his lap and then lulled him to sleep. And then she cut his hair. See, Samson's strength is entirely dependent on the grace of God. See, we, 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 think, we think, oh, it was the hair, it was, you know, all this other stuff. See, I want you to understand something here. Everything that's given to you, every gift that is given to you is from the grace of God. It's from God's loving, gracious, undeserving grace that he bestows upon us. You see, the loss of Samson's strength was not from the loss of his hair, but I believe a loss of self-control and not giving God the glory. And God's the one that gave him the strength. The problem is Samson never recognized that to the end of his life. There's a supernatural gift that God gives each and every one of us. God gives each and every one of us a gift. The hard thing is to recognize that those gifts actually come from the Lord. And God continues to bless us and give us his grace every single day. And it's so easy for us just to take God's grace for granted and the gifts that he's given us for granted. But when we realize and we wake up and we say, okay, God, I'm going to take the grace that you've given me and now I'm going to use it for your glory. Everything changes in your life. You begin to look at everything differently. And so what were the characteristics that actually made Samson Weak. And, and we can see this in chapter 14. 
basically, Samson, there's three things that he struggled with, and there's three things that we all struggle with. And so here are the three things that Samson really struggled with. He struggled with lust, where it says, I want it. Lust says, I want it. So he says, I don't care who that girl is. I don't care where she's from. I want her. So there, there's, there's the lust of the eye. And then there's this, this entitlement spirit, where entitlement says, what? I deserve it. I deserve it. I'm entitled to this. And so there's that spirit that Samson dealt with. And then there's pride where I don't need any help. I can, I can do it myself. And so those are the three things that we battle with. Those are the three things that Samson battled with. Remember this, love, lust always takes, lust always uses. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into this to look at Samson's real weakness. See, Samson's weakness didn't come from his physical inability, but his inward lack of integrity. See, he didn't see God's grace, which caused him to look within himself. And this is what caused him to go astray. He got cocky. He said, look at all the things that I can do. Look at who I am. I can get anybody I want. This is who I want. And so not seeing God's grace didn't allow him to walk in humility to understand that these things actually came from God. And a lack of, of, of integrity will always lead to our downfall. See, what lust does is, is lust is depleting someone else for our benefit. So the only thing Samson wanted was that girl could care less anything else, just wanted her. And so Samson wanted the Philistine wife because she looked good to him and didn't care about anything else. And so his lust actually blinded him to God's wisdom, to understanding who God is. And so what God will actually do, this is really interesting. God will, will eventually use Samson's weakness to pry these two nations apart. Because uh, eventually, if, if you read in that chapter, he's going he's gonna to end up getting in a fight with some of these Philistines, which is going to cause a little war between them to try to separate Israel from the Philistines. And so conflict will arise in Samson's relationship with this woman because he eventually will become his wife, which will result in bloodshed against the Philistines. But I want you to look at the next characteristic. An entitled spirit believes we deserve something because we earned it. See, that's the biggest mistake and the biggest roadblock to understanding God's grace. If, if I believe I earned something or I deserve it, I will not see God's grace anymore in my life. I will not see that it was God's grace that it was given to me. And we are actually blinded by God's grace when I feel like I've earned this and I'm entitled to this. It keeps us from walking in humility and listening to the Lord that everything we have, everything we, we're given to us is by God's grace. So let's go on in Judges 14, 5, 5 through 9 because it shows how he's going to marry this woman. And so Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah. And then all of a sudden, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. And at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. See the grace of God? Now, wait, 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 wait. Samson's going against God's will. Why is God's Spirit coming upon him when he's actually going against God's will? Well, God is going to eventually use all this to actually come against the Philistines. Can you ever look back over your life and realize the time when you weren't serving God, that God still blessed you? 
I mean, there are times you can look back over your life and say, man, God spared me there. God spared me there. I didn't deserve that, yet God's love spared me there. He was always trying to get my attention. And so here, this lion comes upon him. And what's interesting about this is that he never told his parents. So let, let's, because this kind of, con, this is a little confusing. I'm going to explain to you. It said, at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came upon, uh, powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaw apart with his bare hands. And he, and he did it easily as if it were a young goat, but he never told his father and mother about it. And when Samson arrived at Timnay, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path. He turned off the path, big mistake, to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found a swarm of bees that made some honey in the carcass. And he he scooped some honey into his hands and ate it along the way. And and he gave some to his father and mother and they ate it. But he did not, but he did not tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This story doesn't make sense because I thought he was walking with his parents to the wedding and he killed, wouldn't his parents see him kill the lion? He never told him. What happened is Samson strayed off. He went into this vineyard to get grapes or whatever and, and maybe his parents were walking too slow. I don't know. He says, no, I'll meet you there. You guys, you know, you ever do that with your parents? Let me drive. Mom and dad, let me drive. <laughs> right? And he probably took... And, he veered off the path. And so here he breaks his vow over and over again by touching a dead thing. He's, 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 he's not telling his parents for the very reason because he broke the vow. And, and a couple of things intrigued me about this particular story. First, he didn't tell his father and mo- mother about it. And this is crazy because if I killed a lion with my bare hands, I'm bragging about it, right? I. Any chance I would get, I would tell that story. I, I would work that into every sermon illustration I could. I would be like, you know what? That reminds me of the time when that lion attacked me and I just killed it. Can, did I ever show you the selfie that I have with the lion uh, that I killed with, with my bare hands? I would do the talk show circuit, right? I would, I would be out there saying, these hands killed a lion that tried to attack me with my bare hands. You try that bare grills. No way. You can't do it. Right? So, listen. He, he broke his vow. He would eventually touch the deadline by eating, eating, the, honey out, which, which, eating the honey out of it, which he wasn't allowed to do. And, and, and verse 8 says he turned off, off the path. He went, he went where he wasn't supposed to go. See, he felt like he deserved the honey because he killed the lion. You see, a spirit of entitlement takes us off the path of servanthood. It, it just leads us away. When, when I feel like I'm entitled to things, it takes me away from humility. It takes me away from God's grace and understanding that it's by God's grace that he's done all these things. See, Samson forgot everything that, that was given to him was from the Lord, and he didn't deserve a thing. The strength was God's grace upon Samson. But yet, God kept giving him strength. God kept pouring out his grace on Samson when he didn't deserve it. And I just want you to know that when you look back over your life and you look at some of the mistakes that you've made, I want you to realize that God's grace has been there for you. That God's grace has been calling out to you. 
The most wonderful day in my life is when I recognize I needed God's grace in my life. That's what changed my life at 16 years old. When I realized that my sin stunk just as much as everybody else's sin. That I, that I fell short of God's perfection. See, you know, I, I felt like I was a good person. I, you know, I didn't do any of the bad things yet at 16. I don't know all the bad things, but yet. And I, I just kind of felt a little bit more self-righteous than everybody else. Now, why do I need God? Because my life's going pretty good. It wasn't until God humbled me and said, Bart, it's by my grace that I've given you everything. You didn't earn it or deserve it. And then I recognized my own sin in my life and how I fell short of God's perfection. And I fell on God's grace and his mercy. I said, God, I need your forgiveness in my life. I can't do it on my own. And that's what changed my life in 1982. That's what changed my father's life. That's what changed my mother's life. That's what changed my wife's life. It's the grace of God recognizing that I couldn't do it myself. It's a wonderful thing when we come to realize that. It's wonderful when God reminds you each and every day that he gives us an endless supply of his grace that never runs out. So entitlement says, listen, I don't have to do this because it's beneath me. Samson going back to the carcass was an act of pride. Look at what I did. And so Samson believed the lie that his strength was a right, not a gift. Don't ever buy the lie that the gifts in your life are a right. It's a gift. See, and, th- and this reveals the pride in our heart because pride reveals itself in this unteachable spirit. We forget that it's all from God's grace. And so if I'm not teachable, if I'm not humble, that reveals the pride in my heart. Pride says you can handle it. And Samson's pride, he eats the honey. So what kind of wisdom, godly wisdom, deflects lust and entitlement and pride? Well, it's one that literally embraces Christ. We don't deserve Christ, but through God's grace, he sends us his son that none of us deserve. And so let me give you some great wisdom that will keep you falling into the traps, into those traps. And I, and, I, and I love this verse that Paul gives to the Philippians. He says this, he says, and, and this, is, this is a spirit that embraces God's grace and realizes we don't deserve a thing. Here's how it looks. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And your relationships, now listen to Paul, he talks about the relationship. This is how it looks. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. Who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And so, Humility in Christ will actually confess three things. When you understand God's grace and what God has done for you, it will confess three things. First of all, we confess that we are weak and we need God. If you understand his grace and that you don't deserve it, all of a sudden we're going to confess that we are weak and we need God. We can't do it ourselves. This is a great first step. The second thing is we confess that we deserve nothing. God doesn't owe us a thing. 
But yet through his mercy and his grace, God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And the third thing is we confess that we can fall to any sin. Don't ever believe the lie that you're above any sin. I like what King David confessed after his adultery with Bathsheba, Psalm 51 is David's confession. It's good for us to read that over and over and over and over again. (laughs) But David says this one thing. King David says, my sin is ever before me. Now, Now, is that to beat David up? No. I think for us, it's good for us to remind us that sin is ever before us and that we have to be careful because we can fall and we can be victim to any sin the moment we lose sight of God's grace in our life. And so this is the type of thinking that keeps us humble, transparent, and dependent on God's grace. See, the strongest man is the one who admits that he needs God, that he needs God's grace. That's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of strength. The strongest men I know are the ones that depend on God's grace for their life. So let me fast forward to the end of Samson's life because um, eventually he's captured. And God allows him to be captured. And his strength is not working for him. And he's going to learn a huge lesson here. And so Judges 16 shows us what happens. Um, The Philistines are taking pride that they captured Samson. And um, I want you to see the spiritual side of this. So it says here in in chapter 16, it says, The Philistine rulers held a great festival offering sacrifices and praising their god Dagon. And they said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. And so when the people saw them, they praised their God saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought out from the prison to amuse them. And by this time, he can't see. He's just, he's just a spectacle, Samson. Eyes are gouged out. He's just a spectacle. And they had him stand between these pillars that supported this roof where thousands of people were standing under. And so Samson, at the end of his life, is being mocked. He's being ridiculed. He can't see. It's at this point He calls out to God. He says, then Samson prayed to the Lord. It's the first time we read this. He prays to the Lord. Sovereign Lord. Remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. And God's grace gives him that strength one more time pushes the pillars down, roof falls down, thousands of people die. And it's through Samson's weakness that God shows himself strong. See, I want you to realize it wasn't Samson versus the Philistines. It was God versus Dagon. This is the first time we see Samson putting his faith and trust in God. And he asked God for strength. Now, here's my question to you. Does Samson deserve to have his prayer answered? 
Absolutely not. Look at all the things he's done. Look at what he did. He, he broke his vow. He was a womanizer. He just totally lived out of God's will. And all of this was sin. And he disobeyed God. But here was Samson's real sin. Samson's real sin was that he failed to recognize God's grace in his life until the very end when God poured out his grace to him again when he didn't deserve it. Yet Samson's last prayer was one of humble dependency and Samson received God's strength one more time. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to take away today in your life. Is, is there an area in your life where you're struggling to rely on God's grace for your strength? Are there, are there places in your life where you're saying, yeah, pastor, I'm, I'm kind of neglecting God there. Or I'm trying to rely on my own strength. I'm trying to do it myself, do it myself, do it myself. And not really asking for God's grace to give me help. I'm, I'm really relying on my own demise to do this. And it's just, it, it's causing me a lot of fret and stress. There may be some of you here today where you need to fall on God's grace for your life and realize that everything that has been given to you has been given to you by God's grace. And begin to use it now for God's glory. Say, God, you created me. You you sent your son to deal with my sin issue, which I didn't deserve. And now let, let my life now exemplify the grace that you've bestowed upon me. And so what, what that, what begins to happen is you begin to look at everything differently now. You begin to look at your money differently. Because now you're like, well, God, you've given me all this stuff. Let, let me be a good steward with what you've given me. Let, let, I want to be generous with what you've given me. Let, let my life be generous in the way I treat other people. Um, Lord, let me, with the grace that you've given me, which I didn't deserve, help me to bestow that grace on other people who don't even deserve it. See, that's a life that's been changed by God's grace. And, and some of you here today, you may, be, you may be holding on to some bitterness and refusing to forgive someone else. That, that doesn't, forgiving someone else is not let someone off the hook from what they did or whatever. But when you forgive someone, you, you, you unhook yourself from that bitterness. You allow God to deal with it. And you say, God, my job is to forgive God, I need your grace and your help to do that in my life because it's just killing me inside. I don't think it would be a bad thing for us each and every morning when we wake up just to thank God for what he's given us. I don't think that would be a bad thing. That's going to help you walk in humility and that will keep sin from crouching at your doorstep. 
See, we want to blame everybody else for all our problems, but the, the, at the end of the day, James says, the quarrels and the fights that you have with all the other people, isn't it, isn't it your own passions and your own desires that lead us astray? Let's just be honest with ourselves. We can blame everybody and, and then some, but at the end of the day, we have to deal with our own heart. And we all battle with pride. We all battle with entitlement. And until we discover God's grace in our life, we're going to continue to battle with those things. It's by grace you've been saved. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Your life is a gift of God. He gives you life today. And so here's the wonderful thing about a life that's been transformed by God's grace. It doesn't matter what you did in your past or what's happened to you in your past. Those things don't define you anymore when you're in Christ Jesus. God takes the broken, messy, ugly things that could have happened or did happen in our past. And when we come into that relationship with Jesus Christ, he heals and he restores and he actually uses that brokenness for his glory now. That's the wonderful thing about being part of the family of God and, being, and having a relationship with Jesus Christ that our past no longer defines who we are in Christ Jesus. Grace, 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 grace. That's his grace. He loves you. He cares for you. And he's wanting to so desperately have a relationship with you. So can we thank God for his grace today and everything he's done? Just thank him for everything he's done for you. It's hard to thank God for the bad things that have happened to us in our lives, isn't it? But you know what? God can still use it for his purpose and his glory. I believe that 100%, that he still uses it for his glory when we give it to him and you'll find his grace. So Father God, as we just bow before you and we just close in song today, Lord, I just pray for your people today. Lord, we, we see Samson as a product of your grace that he didn't deserve. His strength did not come from himself. His strength came from you. And I pray today that we would realize that everything we've given, everything we've been given comes from your grace. I pray that we would even take our past and the messy things of our past and we would put that underneath your grace. And God, we would just say, Lord, just use these things now for your glory. Thank you for changing me and transforming me in your son, Jesus. And now help me to live out that grace in my life. Help me to recognize your grace in my life. Help me to give grace in my life so that I'm not in bondage anymore to sin and selfishness and pride and entitlement and all those things that keep us from knowing you. Thank you that Samson recognized that you were the sovereign Lord, that you were the source of his strength. And it's never too late, God. It's never, ever too late for you to change a life. And I thank you for that. You keep seeking us. You keep talking to us. You keep doing things in our life to, to, to get our attention, God. 
And I, and I just thank you that you got my attention at 16 years old or whether it's 36 years old or 86 years old. I thank you, God, that you never, ever give up on us. So Lord, help us to recognize it, that in our life if we've not recognized that already. And Lord, we just want to thank you for your grace today. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank God for his word today. God is so good. And let's just thank him. And Yes. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? We're just going to sing this song in closing. Would you make this your prayer today? And Listen, as we sing this song today, if you have any, any prayer needs or maybe God's done something in your heart today, we have a prayer response card in the seat in back of you. Just, just take some time after the service to fill that out. Just leave that at your seat. We pray for all the needs on Tuesday at our prayer group. And I love to hear what God's doing in your heart too. So maybe God's doing something in your heart today. Maybe God revealed something to you. We, our staff loves when you share that with us because we want to rejoice and pray with you what God's doing in your heart and life. So let's sing this unto the Lord and just make this your prayer. God bless you.